Welcome to the MicroSaaS week of the Trend series. This is part 2 of the episode with Gaurav Sharma of JustCall.io. In the first episode, we spoke about his journey of building and scaling JustCall.io to $4 million in annual recurring revenue. We also discussed his new venture Helpwise as well as his angel investment philosophy. This episode is slightly different. We focus on the 20-step playbook that he has written for creating a $1 million ARR bootstrapped SaaS business. This gets extremely detailed and technical, so if you're not aware about MicroSaaS, I'd suggest check out our newsletter in part 1 of this episode. Links of both those are in the show notes. If you're not interested in MicroSaaS, you might want to skip this episode completely. In this episode, we go step by step through the playbook. Some of the steps are self-explanatory and we don't go into too much detail versus the other ones where we spend time going deeper. I absolutely love how Gaurav has looked at all the different aspects of building a microsaas business and yet kept it very simple. If you have any aspirations to build a microsaas business like I do, you don't want to miss this one. Gaurav you've put out a 20 step simple playbook for creating a bootstrap 1 million dollar ARR business, uh, a saas business. And you start by saying that pick a multi-billion dollar industry growing double digit year on year. I want to spend some time here in understanding what's the process like to figure out a multi-billion dollar industry because there's so many of them. So how do you start? Yeah, so, so again, this is the kind of mistakes I've made earlier and I see a lot of entrepreneurs do that. So many people talk about whenever they pitch an idea or uh, for investment or in general, I mean, they tell us, okay, so this is first of its kind or no one has built this thing before, something like that. So my sort of thinking on that is that I personally like going into companies uh, sort of building businesses where action is already there i mean there are there is a competition because that sort of kind of validates by default i mean i don't have to waste two years to figure out okay i mean there was no market for it so one is that so how to figure out how to find out a billion dollar company which is growing double digit so what's the what's the reason behind it firstly the reason behind it is that let's say it's a it's a five billion dollar industry and it's growing at a let's say 10 percent on a annual basis so that means 500 million dollars of new revenues coming in the market every year so you don't have to fight with your competitors you just have to get a small share of the new revenue that is coming in so you just have to work on your positioning and your marketing and amazing customer service and you can just get a small share of your the new 500 million dollars that's coming in within a couple of years you will build a tiny brand and now you'll start scrapping some of the revenue that your competitors are making so so that's the kind of thinking behind bigger market also growing also growing if it's not growing customers are not leaving current sort of competitors there's no money in the market to grab i think this is where the whole premise of doing bootstrap business either is made or is is broken right if you're going to go create a market create customer education create that need you're not going to be able to bootstrap it it's not like people haven't been successful in doing that but if you're going to go that route you can't bootstrap. You have to go out and raise venture capital money and you have to play that game, right? I think this is where the premise itself is is yeah. formed. Now tell me, how do you find these markets? So you can go to any sort of review site, okay? I mean, you can go to G2 Crowd or uh, Capitair or anything. You can you can go to any of the categories. Let's just assume any random product. Let's assume pet insurance. Search online, pet insurance, industry, growth, something like that, simple. Uh, you'll find so many reports. And I think uh, last I checked, I think it's because I, I, I am a habitual and addicted sort of uh, domain buyers so i last i checked insurance were like a billions of dollars sort of market going growing double digit so that's how you can you know get on some of the ideas i mean uh, 
you don't have to sit down today and finalize the idea today itself, right? It's just the awareness part. I mean, you can just keep searching for things, the idea that sort of cross your mind and you can just search it online and figure out what is the industry. I think that's the easiest way. I mean, that's what I do for my, all the businesses I do or I invest in probably. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy. Let's say for so SaaS, go to G2 Crowd, check out different categories, search about the category online again, look at for the market sizing, read read uh, the reviews online. Uh, if most of the competitors have 4.5 or less sort of uh, reviews, then it means there are some pain points. That's where the 0.5 or 0.6 sort of got deducted. So that's where the opportunity is. So that sort of gives you an idea like, okay, I think if average rating of the top 10 is about uh, 4 out of 5, then there is definitely that 20% unhappiness happening in the market. So I can totally get into this market. So that's been my sort of... Uh, way to look at things that's my framework to evaluate any sort of business uh, in terms of sizing that's so simply put and makes so much sense i mean i always think of how do you generate ideas and i think you've laid it out so beautifully that's how you generate ideas that's how you figure out where's the need in the market you don't have to always go out and change the world with every single idea of yours yeah so then the second point learn to code and or get someone to write code for you for you, you've you've always been into this um, as a kid, and you knew how to code. You've you've built products in your early life. It's a direct relation, right? Because you're building a tech product, knowing how to code has its benefits. What do you suggest, though? Is the are we at a point where non-technical people, because of the kind of sort of no-code tools available, can go out and start doing this, or do you still think there is value in somebody, even though a non-technical guy with aspirations in Microsoft should go out and learn to code? I mean, I'm a strong believer of uh, learning to code, no matter what sort of profile or work you do. Maybe it's, it was easy for me, but I think in general, there's so many things that you can at least start with. I mean, I think you can at least do a simple database sort of coding as a simple SQL, right? I mean, my first preference will always be to learn code because there's no urgency, sort of urgency to start a company today, right? You can still start after three months, right? So if you can start after three months, then why don't you start learning coding and while building the product? I mean, that's how I built my first company. I didn't know I didn't know coding. I mean, but I wanted to build something. I started learning coding by building that thing. So how to how to build a login page? How to how how people do registration forms? You know how how to pe- how to create a profile page where I can show up my picture. I can just search, find the code, write it, play it with it, and that's how I learned. I mean, uh, I'm a chemical engineer by education, so so my first preference is that. Second is I've seen a lot of people doing the no code powered MVPs and. If that can work for your idea, superb. But I think it, it won't work in things that I have built. So I can't say much about it. But if it if it can work for you, I mean, suppose let's say you're running an agency. Now, obviously, you can you can automate a lot of stuff. You can build a lot of stuff with uh, no code. And you don't need an engineer to, you don't need any coding to do things. So I'd say it's a tricky thing. But also I've seen uh, a lot of people, a lot of good sites got built by hiring someone from Poland or Russia or somewhere. I mean, I started SaaS Labs first product by hiring a Russian coder. What you're saying is you don't need to learn coding to build the entire product. You need to learn the coding to just one, understand what's the mechanics of it and then have the vision to sort of see how the product needs to be built because you have some foundational knowledge of it. You should at least be able to design your idea, right? This is how the app will look like, or this is how the website will look like, or these are the three features I want in my app. We'll move on to build a good product. Awesome product takes time. So let's start with a good MVP. 
I read this somewhere that you have a very interesting launch philosophy. You you are a big believer of go out there in the market as soon as possible because if you're going to wait too long, that product is never going to come out. Tell us, tell us yeah. how early have you gone to market? Like, see, I I have built like dozens of products, and there were two main reasons why products failed. One was like I was thinking money there. I was thinking I'll be a a rich guy after building this product. Second was I launched it pretty late. So these are two main cases uh, where my products failed. So coming to how late? My belief is that whenever you're building any product on any idea, build only that main idea of it. For example, in case of Just Call, the idea obviously was to you know build a huge sort of a software you know for the market, but we only started with phone calls. We didn't do anything. We didn't we didn't have any integrations. We didn't have any uh, automations. Uh, we didn't have much security built into it. I mean, if you search MVP on Google Images, you'll see this. Uh, I mean, pretty good image where you can see what an MVP is. So it's not like you first build the 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 wheel of the car and then you build the axle and then you build the body. It's more like you build a cycle, then you build a motorcycle, then you build a car. So at every stage of the product, it should be functional. Doesn't mean that it should be polished, right? So it should just be functional. So the 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 moment it becomes functional for one at least one feature that you're promising. because now the customers will tell you what's next 100% i think it's you are a prime example of that like a, lit, a customer literally told you the entire positioning of what the company needs to be and that basically influenced the entire product road map exactly okay let's move on to the next one which is figure out early distribution channels uh, integrations co-marketing podcast youtube twitter or any other specific forum i think we've spoken about this already got of so i'm going to skip this because this is self explanatory yeah. bring in 10 unknown customers by becoming a shameless salesperson the first part of it is self explanatory 10 unknown customers right you have to go out there because friends and family never give you the right kind of feedback they're always going to be nice to you so you have to go out there but there's something very interesting about being a shameless salesperson tell me more about that like most of the engineers i guess i mean i was also a sort of introvert guy for a long period of my life but then when it came about uh, building big companies as labs and just call and everything i just became shameless in selling uh, to first and how to be shameless i would say like uh, you just have to get those 10 people Not, no nothing can stop you there so i started reaching out to each and every my linkedin contact i started reaching out i i started being shameless with known people to get me connected to you know people who can buy this product being super pushy and everything that because i knew that i have to do it only for first 10 because once i have those 10 i can create stories around that and i can sell so for first 10 do everything even if you think it's being too pushy or anything like that you you'll just have to do it just just understand that there is a line written somewhere in my playbook where i want you to be shameless so just do that i i think that's where that's where a lot of early stage entrepreneurs i think that's where if they're not typical sales people they find it very hard to go out and make themselves very vulnerable right sales is a very vulnerable job you're going out there and literally yeah. saying that buy this and 90% of the times people are just going to say no i'm not going to buy this it's a very vulnerable thing to do and it's something that's that's under discussed i feel like especially for micro entrepreneurs micro saas entrepreneurs you have to go out there and learn how to sell or have someone as part of your co-founding team who can do that yeah now the thinking around sales sales is that people or normally entrepreneurs founders think that hey we'll hire let's make the product and we'll we'll hire a sales person to sell it that's not going to work even the sales person will need some sort of playbook from you 
to go ahead and sell in market that playbook should be built by the founders one of the founder or if single one i mean by by him or her so yeah you have to you have to sell i mean your sales person won't do the first 10 sales you have to do that 10 sales so the sixth one is offer the best ever customer experience to your early customers impress them with your care and love i don't think you need to mention anything than that just story of yours where you put an alarm every 2 hours so that your us customer if he had any questions you were there to answer for him very quickly this is also something that people intuitively know that they have to deliver the best customer experience because you know it's one of those things that you have to say it like everybody says it but it's a it takes a different kind of a culture to inculcate that in the organization where customer delight is is something that people go out of their ways to ensure happens for the early customers yeah i think uh, the best mental model around it, this thing is that start considering customer support as your feature product feature so it can't break also for startups to beat big businesses that's the only usp that you have right now that you listen to your customers right so make make use of that because that you don't have any, anything else you don't have great engineers you don't have money the only thing that you have is the the love you can give to your customer in fact you know sahil and i right before this call we were having a discussion and sahil mentioned something around he likes working with smaller vendors because of the customer experience there's just a message away there's just a call away right so even and this is the prime example right as a user we are going out and seeking smaller players because we know uh, the larger player i'm not i'm not important enough for the larger player so he's not going to care The seventh one is give product demos to each and every new customer and learn about their use case during this process. This goes hand in hand with the idea that if you've just built the first functional MVP, this onboarding or this demo is what's going to lead you to figure out what next to build, what's more important, right? It in in the sense that you are not spending time and imagining what's important. The customer is telling you this is what's important for me. Just go out and build that. Yeah, it's also connected to the shameless part. You have to come out of that introvert. or hey i'm a ceo i won't give a demo sort of part and start giving demos and make demos sort of mandatory in a way from your point of view like oh i have to give this person demo that's very important the eighth one is ship new updates and features on a daily basis based on the feedback that's aggressive in terms of development cycle no yeah i mean uh, again again it's it's this works like a, a usp for you Uh, in the early days i mean the time will automatically slow it down whenever it's required when you sort of start becoming big but in the early days when a when you have a, a a really bad mvp which you launched early now customer wants things to be fixed and if you're fixing that quickly you know he he or she going to stay and second thing i mean we also use this as a seo hack for us so what we did was uh, or now it's a part of playbook as well so so we created a separate blog for uh, just called slash updates where the engineers will uh, publish anything that goes live or any update or any feature that goes live so we started uh, using our updates as a, a channel for seo building nice moving on to the ninth right help guides and create videos for every single features and account setup i have a very interesting story behind uh, behind when i first got to think about this i was talking to pallav of fusion charts and we were discussing how he built fusion charts and one of the things that he mentioned was he had around 28000 customers across the globe developers who were using fusion charts and he had a support team of not more than four people this came under the conversation of frugality yeah. and and the other thing that he said was yeah. uh, i also had like two or three sales people to get these 28000 customers and the way he hacked his way to it he said i put out so much content around my product that 
either when the sales guy was when the person was coming into the sales funnel they were coming not to say not to see if the product is relevant to them or not they were coming in to say what's the price of the product so the sales cycle is significantly smaller and from a support perspective there is so much content out there that people can solve their own problems and don't really have to call support i think it's it's a beautiful example of how the guides and videos can sort of yeah. around every single features can can help so at scale it's phenomenal tenth one is creating process around sales email templates onboarding checklist customer support i know automation is a big big sort of value that you that you put inside your organization and how you build product and stuff like that is that is is it is this coming from there it's actually coming from uh, founder doing doing the sale and then hiring a person so it, it's it's a starting point where the company starts to become a bit bigger and uh, your first hiring sort of starts so don't make a mistake of hiring someone and then letting them do whatever uh, just tell them that hey go sell my product that's that will be a time uh, waster sort of part for you so make sure that you have things ready in place the founder has done those 10 sales the kind of learnings he got from that uh, just use that to you know create create that playbook so that the sales person comes and start sort of selling from day one okay so then moving on to hiring for one sales and one support staff to start following these processes this is when you are now delegating now you're building the organization yeah. coaching new hires every day again very underrated coaching is so underrated uh, and in companies uh, that i've seen especially the smaller ones because many of the people uh, haven't sort of committed this mistake before uh, i did so i know this that this is a, this is a kind of blunder i was doing for a long time i mean i used to hire people and just used to think that they'll do their work magically but that doesn't work that way you have to be there to coach them uh, on daily basis it's your job as a ceo to make them do good in their career i mean if you can just start focusing on that uh, your company will grow automatically and they will they will take your company to new new heights just focus on making making their career amazing making them great professionals that's it makes sense then the 13th one is start working on customer success ensure every new customer is getting most out of the product tell us something more about this where how yeah tell us something more about this sure i mean customer success now it's a fairly known term but it's still not there customer success is something like a post sales and it's a proactive support to customers instead of uh, reactive which is customer service or support so customer success can easily sort of put your growth company growth on autopilot why because customer success is responsible for two things one is obviously bringing down the churn and uh, increasing the retention and also like the upsells there are a lot of money on the table lying if you're not talking to your customers or helping them become successful with your product the day you make them successful with your product they will start referring to other people they will start referring to other colleagues in the team they will start referring to other teams in the company so customer success is something i committed a mistake where i in my early sort of companies i never sort of worked on that but now in just call and help wise we make sure that or even in any future product we make sure that the customer success and nps uh, tracking Uh, i mean i think that's the next point but nps tracking is something uh, that we start from day one you know um, i've actually done customer success for a saas product i've done it for a recruitment tech product and we were selling to the enterprises like amazon accenture and all of these things all of these places right my experience and from what i've read as you rightly pointed out if you can figure out churn in a saas business if you can get the churn down in a saas business your compounding is amazing because yeah. you 
every customer that you've added on is going to stick around for a long period of time and over it feels overnight uh, but there's obviously a lot of work but suddenly you wake up one day and you realize how this has compounded month over month year over year and as you rightly pointed out i think it's not there yet it's a function that's recognized now and a lot more people are doing stuff to to sort of really define what this role should be and then 14th one i completely agree i think you briefly mentioned it you have to collect nps and you can't game nps also i've i've recently this is funny i've recently seen nps surveys where there's obviously 1 to 10 and there are smileys underneath every number right so the jump between 8 and 9 is so significant there's 8 is literally a sad smiley and 9 is a smiley that's happy that the customer who is going to do 7 or 8 which is the real result by the way is now going to do 9 so i've seen that happen also it's just funny but nps is a great tool a lot of, a lot of car companies in india use that another way to hack nps that i've seen in the market is that so nps survey got gets sort of triggered let's say you are you you chatting with someone i mean on a customer support chat and uh, everything goes right and the the person sort of solves the problem and everything then he or she sort of triggers that nps survey so i think that's not the right time to get a, a the right nps uh, sort of score yeah i think nps should work like a regulatory independent body like we have like sebi or sb or cbi and all these people i like how you put it it should be independent in an ideal world right the 15th one is create a process surrounding around handling 0 to 3 3 to 8 9 to 10 ratings which is okay going back to nps you need to go back and see why somebody had a bad experience what can you do to delight them even further what did you do well with the 9 and 10s that you can replicate right so it's just basically going back and understanding from that survey and this this is where the automation comes in that's actually a great point right if you do this without automation you're probably going to do this once you're going to do this twice but you're not going to be able to do it the third time yeah i mean this is this is the best hack to increase your uh, reviews online definitely sort of help you in sales so let's say if it's a nps is going to wait you can always trigger an email that hey glad that you're loving it uh, why don't you hear your you know love here yeah 16th is once some basic process is built hire someone to handle customer success i i so the underlying theme basically what i'm seeing is for every function that you're going to build out and it's you can take a staggered approach to introducing those functions but the founder has to if it's one person that person has to go do it if there are two people the founders have to go live that journey before handing it to somebody else yeah. 17th is when someone gives you a 9 10 on nps it is the best time to ask for a customer review we spoke about this make sure you make make the most of this time bound up opportunity completely agreed there 18th is starting to get some positive reviews at those on your website so this is where you building social proof now saying that other people are happy using the product it's such a big sort of social proof because even as a user when i go to a particular tool or a product or whatever and if it's a b2b product i see the brands that are using it uh if it's a b2c product you know the the customer reviews behind it goes so long in in the decision making process if i want to buy that product or not yeah i mean on a lot of sites um, you see that people write a lot of fake sort of testimonials where they'll be like great product said someone something like that i mean you don't have to do that i mean you can always write the right sort of testimonials because if because people are not taking the, those testimonials you should do that and the best way if you again feeling introvert there i mean the best way i've given here is that use nps automate the review, review sort of taking part okay the 19th one is start generating some paid traffic via google ads facebook sales support customer success the processes that you've set now should be able to take care of the new traffic and i like how you say start generating some paid traffic so there is 
there is that hint of you're just moving to the next stage you're not ready yet you're now testing all your processes that you've set and see if this works or not right very interesting and then 20th once you start getting some new paid customers via these paid channels it is time to hire someone for product marketing you can do this earlier as well scale product marketing scale paid marketing and content marketing yeah this is when you are building that flywheel i think this is where you know you found the product market fit you're now going out and and doing what you can to sell to as many people as possible god of what a fantastic playbook i think it's one of those things that people who are specifically starting micro saas should just like refer to this every now and then because you have practically hit every aspect of what it takes to get to 1 million dollar arr thank you so much for doing this gorov this was uh, an amazing sort of you know uh, opening up of how you built your you know your companies uh, the kind of journey that you went through and the playbook you've literally put out the playbook that helped you create this company and will hopefully help you create a, a lot of other companies also uh, thank you so much for doing this and uh, yeah uh, best of luck for everything that you do and happy to help in whatever way we can great it was great uh, thanks thanks a lot